0: Welcome to the C3 Church Podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Good evening. Well, I always say, you know, if God can speak through a donkey, He can speak through anything. And uh, thank you for your uh, warmth and welcome and appreciation. And uh, thank you um, to Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris for inviting uh, my wife Kelly and I to come and uh, spend this time with you. Uh, One of the things, these are all introductory comments, I haven't started yet. Uh, One one of the things about traveling, as we do, my wife and I have traveled and do travel, and we've been traveling for 30 years uh, to 69 countries, is that you see so many different things in different places and different continents. And um, and I I am not saying this just because I'm in the mothership of C3, but um, one of our favorite church streams from all over the world that we've seen and engaged with is C3. It really is. Um, you know, we, we, we honestly think you're kosher. <laughs> and what you've got is really good, really good. You, you might be able to turn the music down a little bit, But that's a cultural thing, you know, because sometimes I think, well, look, you know, if it's going to help reach somebody else that's a different generation to me, I'd rather them be reached. And sometimes you accommodate certain cultural preferences, but I know that the heart of C3 is authentic Christianity that is just trying to take the timeless message of Christianity and convey it and communicate it to today's generation. And it's just wonderful uh, to see that happening. And uh, I'm where Kelly and I are just so thrilled, um, Pastor Chris, and to all your team, to Mark and Bernie and all your, uh, the others, who, just to be part of this so thank you very much and we're coming to presents next year I know so so if you've not booked for presents this year book for it book I mean one of my staff one of my staff in London uh, she's coming with her husband from London (laughs) You know, so don't complain, oh, it's in the city. <laughs> Where are we going to park the car? Don't give us that kind of nonsense. She's t- taking two weeks off, her, her, basically her vacation, with her husband to come out here, and that's two airfares, and booking in, and to stay here because they just want to soak in the presence so you guys have got no excuse honestly no excuse if you've not booked in go and book in if you've already booked in go and book in for someone else and just go up to them and say hey I'm gonna pay for you I'm gonna pay your registration to go to presence come on be a little bit generous you know, a lot of British Christians, they think they're generous. They squeeze the pound so tightly, they th- the Queen cries. <laughs> so, you know, outdo the Brits. Come on. We've brought a few books. Listen, um, I, I don't want to spend time on these, but one of them's on the Ten Commandments. And if you want to study a little bit more of the Ten Commandments, then maybe this will be a good book to dip in or buy it for someone else. You know, uh, and the talks, you can download those, and uh, they're all free. So why don't you do that? Um, And if you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan, I think this is one book every Christian should at least read once in their lifetime. Really, really good. Um, And I've basically done a contemporary retelling of his book. Again, you know, bite for self or bite for someone else, and there's this book, What Does God Want of Us?, um, Rubin, can you take those if you are here t- for the first time and you would like one of those free as a free copy put your hand up and Reuben will give you one and if you didn't get one go and buy one <laughs> how to live by priorities there was a, a woman who bought a speaking parrot as a companion and she was very excited about this because she was very isolated and alone. And she thought this would be really lovely to have a, a, a pet that you could speak to. Anyway, she bought the parrot. She went home and the parrot didn't speak. So the next day she goes back to the pet shop. She says, look, he, he didn't say a word. And the uh, pet o- uh, shop owner said, well, look, you know, did you buy a mirror? No, no, I didn't buy a mirror. Oh, they like mirrors. They like mirrors when they look at themselves. It gets them going so she bought the mirror went back put the mirror up He's looking himself. He still doesn't speak next day. She goes back. She says look I bought the mirror He still doesn't speak ah it's because uh, have you got a ladder a ladder Yeah, they like going up and down up and down ladders, and then they look in the mirror Oh, okay, I'll buy the ladder bought the ladder up and down up and down looking in the mirror still didn't speak goes back no, I bought the mirror, I bought the ladder. He still doesn't speak. Oh, really? Okay, have, have you got a swing? A swing? Yeah, they do like the mirror, they do like the ladder, but they like swinging. And that sometimes gets them going. Okay, bought the swing. And up and down the ladder, he's swinging, he's looking at himself in the mirror. He still doesn't speak. And then he died. goes back to the shop, he died. The shop owner goes, what do you mean he died? Well, he died. I bought the mirror, I bought the ladder, I bought the swing, he died. And and he's really puzzled the the pet shop owner. Well, well, did he say anything before he died? Well, he did actually. Well, what did he say? Have you got any food? You know, sometimes we forget the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Repeat. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. The Bible states this. I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. That's the wording of commandment number one. And I believe that this commandment has the number one position because it is the most important. And the principle of this commandment is that God gets first place in our lives. So let me unpack this commandment for you now. And when I've concluded, if you would like to apply what you have heard and you would like to apply the the principles to your life and you'd like to respond to what you've heard, I will ask you to get up out of your seat, out of the rows, and I will ask you to come and stand here at the front to say, yes, I want this to become a reality for me. Our relationship with God affects our relationships with other people. And because God is the creator of the universe, he is not going to play second fiddle to anything. God is God and he is not applying for the job. Let's just get that one right. God is God. He is not applying for the job. God, as the poet Francis Thompson suggests, is like a hound of heaven. He is pursuing us and he longs us to seek him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength and with all our mind. And God says, show me your love. Demonstrate your commitment by putting me first in everything. Now, just think of your life, just for a moment, like a car, okay? To be a Christian means that Jesus is in the car of your life. So, if Jesus is not in the car of your life, you can invite him in tonight, and I will give you that opportunity later on to do so. Invite him into the car of your life. Now, I would imagine that for the majority of us here tonight, Jesus is in the car of our life. He's in the big question is where is he? Do you drive your car to church? Unlock the boot the trunk get Jesus out for religious happy hour (laughs) At the end of the service get back in there (laughs) You know you want Jesus in your life but you don't want him interfering in your life, and you certainly don't want people knowing he's in your life. You definitely don't want your colleagues knowing about it, so let's keep him in the boot. Now others of you are going, "No, Jay John, he's not in the boot. He's not in the trunk. He's in the car. OK, where is he? Is he in the back seat? A bit of a passenger. No, Jay John, he's in the front. What do you mean? The front passenger seat. So he's a little bit of a companion, but he's still a passenger. And now you're thinking, J. John, we know where you're going with this illustration. <laughs> you don't, actually. <laughs> you're thinking Jay John's now going to say, is he in the driving seat of the car of your life? I am. Is he in the driving seat of the car of your life? (laughs) Now, every one of you that thought, yes, he is in the driving seat of the car of my life, I have one more question for you. Are you a backseat driver? (laughs) The car gets to a crossroads. Jesus turns left. Where are you going? I'm going down the road of generosity. I don't want to be. You get to another crossroads, Jesus turns right. Where are you going? You see, it's very easy to say that he's in the driving seat of the car of our lives, but the reality is we're backseat drivers or we keep snatching the steering wheel. Loving God means that having made him number one, having put him into the driving seat of our lives, we constantly reaffirm that decision, checking to see if he is. To do that, we have to be aware of the competition for his place in the driving seat and make a choice. How do we put Christ in the driving seat? How do we know he's actually in the driving seat? I would suggest that we ask five questions. The answers to these five questions will reveal to you whether he is in the driving seat or whether he's a passenger. Because the concept of being in the driving seat is, as the first commandment explains to us, is to put him first, F-I-R-S-T. So ask these five questions. Is he first, F, in my finances? Repeat after me. Is he first in my finances? When the Israelites reached the promised land, they were faced with the temptations associated with having endless possessions. The Bible states this, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and you settle down, And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. You see, sometimes our personal agendas and our self-indulgence can suffocate our love for God. There's nothing wrong with these things, but sometimes... They can suffocate our love for God. And perhaps the reason why so many people have a love affair with money and possessions is because they don't have a love affair with God. If God is first place in our finances, it's a good sign that God is first place in our lives. How do we respond to money? How do we respond to possessions? Do we see it that we're just stewards, that we're, we're, we're just guardians? We're just guardians of all these things. Two years ago, I spoke at um, Presence Conference and um, I was, uh, we were in the, in the room ready to get into the conference. And I was introduced to somebody. And when I was introduced to this person, I I felt that God had given me a word for this person. But I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, it's inconvenient. So I said, I'll tell you what, Lord. If you arrange it for me to meet this person again in the next three days, I'll give him the word. Anyway, I get introduced to speak at the conference. And... uh, The bigger the conference, the bigger the lights. So you sometimes walk up onto the stage and you look out and you you cannot see. You just can't, the lights are bright and they're quite blinding and you look out and you know that there's thousands of people but you can't really see people. And uh, I looked out and it was whoa, the lights are bright. And I kind of like looked out and I saw the guy. And I was like, I can't believe it. (laughs) And I felt the Lord say, give him the word now. And I'm like having a conversation with God. God, I've not started my talk yet. It's not appropriate. And I just felt, give him the word. Anyway, I called the guy out, he came out, and I said to him, do you have a watch? He said, no, I don't have a watch. I said, well, I'll give you my watch. So I gave him my watch. And I really like my watch. I really like my watch. It was a really lovely watch, and I gave him the watch. And as I gave him the watch, and I gave him the word. He went out, and he's lying there on the floor. So anyway, so then I start my talk, but then I can't see the clock. Oh no, where's the clock? I can't see the clock. So it's like, oh no, I couldn't see the clock, and I haven't got a watch. So I'm like, oh no. So I go back down, and I pull, <laughs> and he he, he comes too. I said, don't worry, don't worry. I'm just going to borrow it. So I put it on, I do the talk, finish the talk, I give him the watch. We're done. At the next session, the MC for the session is a guy called Dean Sweetman, one of the C3 pastors. And he gets up and he says, I got given a watch. And it was a really nice watch and I loved that watch. And God told me to give it away. And I said, I'm not giving it away. Don't want to give it away. I'm not giving it away. But then when I wore it, I felt guilty. So I tried to sell it on eBay. because I thought if I get the money, I can buy something else. And I couldn't sell it on eBay. So I put it in a drawer because I could never wear it because I felt bad about it, because God told me to give it away. But when I came to this conference, God told me to, to take it with me. And he said, when J. John gave his watch away, God told me to give J. John my watch. So he gives me the watch and it's, it's this watch. So I, I arrive at Heathrow Airport with Killy. My assistant arrives and uh, uh, my assistant takes the trolley off me, and as he takes the trolley off me, he kind of sees my watch. He goes, oh, where'd you get that from? I said, what? He goes, the watch. Where'd you get it from? I said, I said, I can't believe you're talking about watches. I've just been away for two weeks. You know, what's wrong with you? He's like, "Jay, John, don't you know what it is? I said, I said it's a watch. No, no, he said, don't you know what type of watch? I don't know what it is. He goes, you've got to get it valued. I said, you're mental. I said, I need a cup of tea. I don't want to value my watch. Anyway, following week, we went and got it valued. It's £5,000. So I said to Killy, let's sell it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah and then we can pay off a bit of the mortgage. (laughs) I mean, why would I be wearing a 5,000 pound watch? I might as well pay off a bit of the mortgage. And as I said it to Killy, I heard God say, you are a guardian. And one day, I'm going to ask you to give this watch to somebody and the story's gonna continue. So everywhere I go, I'm serious. Everywhere I go, (laughs) I know. Everywhere I go, this is true, everywhere I go, I always say to the Lord, I say, Lord, am I giving it away at this conference? Am I giving it away in this church? Am I giving it away? I'm ready. I am ready to give this watch away. I seriously am. Do you know something? When I give it away, God's going to give me a better one. (laughs) You know, it's all about being a guardian. A guardian, a guardian. Is he first in my finances? Repeat. First in my finances. Two. Is God first in my FI? Is God first in my interests? Repeat. Is God first in my interests? Now, you see, that includes career, hobbies, recreation. You can tell a lot about people's priorities by what they get excited over. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? That if you go to a sports match and you jump up and down and you're shouting and you're you're called a fan. But if you come to church and get the least bit excited, you're called a fanatic. Actually, if somebody calls you a fanatic for Jesus, you should be very proud What do you like to think about the most? What do you like to read about the most? What do you like to listen to the most? What do you like to talk about the most? The Bible says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. In other words, to approach all of our interests with gratitude. Because if it wasn't for you, God, I wouldn't have anything. I need to put God in my finances. I need to put God first in my finances. I need to put God first in my finances. Two, I need to put God first in my interests. F-I-R. I need to put God first in my relationships. relationships. You see, if Jesus is number one in my life, and if Jesus is number one in my wife's life, then Jesus isn't gonna fight Jesus. Why would Jesus fight Jesus? Put him first in our relationships. If we love God, we must act justly and stand up against public opinion. The early disciples in Acts 5 said, we must obey God rather than people. In the Old Testament of the Bible, there's a lovely story in the book of Daniel. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Difficult names. The way I remember them is your shack, my shack, and a bungalow. (laughs) So these these men, (laughs) these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now, when you hear the sound of all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made good, but if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Their answer was simple. We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So they were thrown into the fire. Now they didn't know how God would deliver them from the king. Whether they would die and be ushered into God's presence. Or whether they would be kept alive through a special act of providence. But dead or alive, they were gods, God almighty, God almighty. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were miraculously rescued. And then later, Nebuchadnezzar looked up to heaven and said, my sanity returned and I praised and worshipped God, the most high and honored the one who lives forever. You know, we're all faced with challenges and we need to decide what we're going to do. In the, uh, uh, the hotel where we're staying, in the balcony, they've got some idols in the balcony. And I saw them and I was like, oh, no. So I, I cursed them first. <laughs> and then I t- they're really heavy. So I turned them all around so they're not facing us. Mm. You know, sometimes you just got to do something. Instead of, you know, do your own thing, let's do God's thing. Put God first in my finances. Put God first in my interests. Put God first in my relationships. Fourthly, F-I-R-S, put God first in my schedule. Put God first in my schedule. You know, we can get so busy that we forget God. Quitting God first, not just on Sunday. I mean, you know, just imagine me saying to my wife, Oh, darling, <clears throat> I've decided that I'm going to be faithful to you one day a week. <laughs> you know, because I travel and I've got many other opportunities. <clears throat> well, I don't understand. What's the, what's the problem? I, I will be faithful to Killy once a week. Partial faithfulness is no faithfulness at all. Putting God first doesn't just mean going to church on a Sunday. God says, I want you to to be part. I want to be part of your daily schedule. How do we do that? We make appointments. King David said, I will pray morning, noon and night. Morning, noon and night. You know, whatever I'm doing, it's part of my life. I often ask friends of mine. I said, to, uh, I said to a doctor that I know really well, I said to him, I said, do you pray before the patients walk in? And he's like, really? You know, just by asking the question, it was obvious that he didn't. I said, well, why don't you say a prayer and ask God to give you wisdom? Why don't you pray when you're doing operations? Why don't you pray when you're delivering letters as a postman to every house and bless it? Why don't we pray? It doesn't matter what we're doing. You're cultivating and creating the presence of God in your work, through your work, whatever you're doing. If you're a waiter, waitress, you know, when you take the order or you take the food in your heart, say, bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. I'm not only going to bless the food, I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bring a blessing as I put that plate down. You know, it doesn't matter what we do. You can make it sacred. Because it's all sacred to God. All of it. So daily, not just on Sunday. You know, imagine if I said, you know, uh, I'm going to fast Monday to Saturday. I'm not going to eat any food. And then all the food that I was going to eat on Monday to Saturday, I'm going to eat it all <laughs> on Sunday. You know, what? That doesn't make sense, is it? Spiritual food on Sunday is not sufficient for the rest of the week. And if you ate it all on Sunday, you'd get spiritual indigestion. Establish the habit of regular prayer and Bibles reading and Bible study and Bible reflection. Just out of interest. Okay, put your hand up if you've read the Bible from cover to cover. Okay, you know, not the maps, but, you know, Genesis to Revelation. All right, put your hands up. Put your hands up if you read the Bible from cover to cover. Whoa. Okay, this is just a glance. I mean, it's difficult to tell because you can't. But I would think 10%. Okay, the 90% of you, okay. Okay, you don't have to feel bad yet. (laughs) But let me tell you this. When you die and you go to heaven, you're going to have a few problems. Because Peter's going to say, hey, welcome. We've been expecting you. And then he introduces you to Obadiah. Obadiah says, did you like my book? (laughs) And you say, I'm sorry? he says, my book, did you like it? Uh, Who published it? God. What, God was the publisher? Yeah, he was. Let me introduce you to Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes, did you like my book? What do you think of it? Do you know, you can have a problem having conversations with all these people. <laughs> Do you know that if you spent 15 minutes a day reading the Bible, 15 minutes a day reading the Bible, you would read through the whole Bible in one year. Just 15 minutes a day. You can start in Genesis. You can start in Matthew. So you, so, and you can read 10 minutes from the Old Testament, five minutes of the New Testament. By the time you get to the end of the Old Testament, you'll get to the end of the New Testament. And there are the different plans and ways of reading it and all of that you, that you can explore and find out. You know, and then, and then, wait, when you've read it, you've read it through once, and then you've read it through twice, and then you've read it through three times, and then you've read it through four times, and then five times. You know, you just happen to be in a little kind of connect group, and somebody asks a question, oh yes, lamentations. (laughs) You know, and somebody mentions the book, you don't have to discreetly like trying to look at the index. You know, and, you know, and then you're kind of flicking through the Bible as if, oh, yeah, yeah, I just missed it. <laughs> you haven't got a clue where it is. 15 minutes a day. Come on. And It's not a lot, is it? 15 minutes a day. Come on, all of you. Seriously. You, you could say, okay, I'm going to start that. I'm going to start that tomorrow. I'll start that tomorrow. 15 minutes a day. One, one year from, from tomorrow, you would have read the whole Bible. And you think, yeah, that's not, that's good. That's a start. That's a start. And then you move on. Put God first in my finances. God first in my interests. God first in my relationships. God first in my schedule. And then F-A-I-R-F-I-R-S-T. Put God First in my troubles. Repeat. Put God first in my troubles. We all go through problems. Precious, crises. There are two types of suffering, minor suffering and major suffering. Minor suffering is what you suffer from, major suffering is what I suffer from. (laughs) We all think our problems are the biggest problems, don't we? Who do we turn to first? When everything falls apart and you're being pulled apart, who do you turn to first? Put God first in every area of life, including the hassles of life. When you have nothing left but God, you start screaming. (laughs) If you have nothing left but God, you realize that God is enough. When it's dark you can actually see the stars. Let's look at Jesus during the dark times because he is the light. So is he in the driving seat? Well, answer these five questions. Is he first in my finances? Is he first in my interests? Is he first in my relationships? Is he first in my schedule? Is he first in my troubles? If you can say yes to all those five questions, that's a pretty good sign he's in the driving seat of the car of your life. If you cannot say yes to all those five questions, it's an indicator that he's a passenger. To keep this commandment is, as Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, to see everything from his viewpoint, to make his will our guide, to light our path, and our goal and objective to give him honor. It is to put him first in thought, word, and deed, in business, in leisure, in friendships, in career, in the use of our treasure, our time, our talents and technology at work and at home. In this, the first commandment, we're brought back to the basic of basics. Choosing Christ always means making a choice that excludes any other possibility. If you're willing to have no other gods, you can have God. That's what God is saying. If you choose not to have any other gods, God says you can have me. What place does Jesus have in your life? Have you been giving Jesus less than first place in your life? Have you been running away from Jesus? How would you feel? If Jesus gave you the same amount of time and attention that you devote to him. So you say, well, you know, I've only got six minutes a week for Jesus. So Jesus says, oh, okay. Well, I've only got six minutes for you then. If Jesus put as many things ahead of you as you put ahead of him. If Jesus offered as many excuses as we do. And if the excuses were no more justifiable than our own. And if Christ's promises were no more certain than ours. If Jesus withheld his blessings from us as we withhold our offerings from him. I do love that picture of Jesus knocking on the door of our lives uh, in Revelation chapter 3. Knocking on the door of our homes. So if Jesus came to your house, good question. If Jesus came to your house to spend a day or two, if he came unexpectedly, I wonder what you'd do. I know you'd give him the nicest room to such an odd guest and all the food you'd serve to him would be the very best. You'd keep on reassuring him you were glad to have him there, that serving him in your own home is joy beyond compare. But when you saw him coming, would your welcome be sincere? Or deep down, would you worry that this man had come too near? Or would you have a change of clothes before you let him in or hide some magazines and put a Bible where they'd been? Would you turn off the video and hope he had not seen the picture that was showing on your TV screen? Would you hide your world of music, tuck your CDs out of sight? Would you rush about and tidy other things that were not right? I wonder if the Savior spent a day or two with you. Would you choose to keep on doing all those things you often do? Would you choose to keep on saying All those things you often say, would life for you continue as it does from day to day? Would your family conversation lull or keep its usual pace? And would you find it hard each meal to say a table grace? Would you sing the songs you always sing and read the books you read and let him know the things on which your mind and spirit feed? Would you take Jesus with you wherever you plan to go? Or would you maybe change your plans for just a day or so? Would you be glad to have him meet your very closest friends? Or would you hope they'd stay away until his visit ends? Would you be glad to have him stay forever on and on? Or would you sigh with great relief when he at last was gone? It might be interesting to know the things that you would do if Jesus came in person and spent some time with you. Quite a challenge, isn't it? What would it be like if Jesus was coming to our homes tonight? The choice is ours. What Jesus requires is unadulterated allegiance. That we should respond in love to him because of his great love for us. I like that uh, illustration of the double-decker bus. And there's a huge poster on the side of the bus. Egg and bacon, the great British breakfast. And the bus passes a field. And in the field, there's a chicken and a pig. And the chicken turns to the pig and says, look, 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 look. We're famous. Egg and bacon, the great British breakfast. And the pig turns around to the chicken and says, it's all right for you, isn't it? You only have to make a contribution. (laughs) For me, it cost me my life. Saint Augustine wrote, Christ is not valued at all unless he be valued above all. Christ is not Lord at all unless he is Lord of all. Our response to the first commandment is to nurture a loving, faithful relationship with Jesus Christ. Loving Jesus gives us a greater capacity to love others. To some people, Jesus is nothing. To other people, he is something. And then there are those people where Jesus is everything. Will we put Christ In the driving seat of the car of our lives. This is what the first commandment is all about. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church podcast. Visit us online at myc3church.net. Join us next time for more great teaching.